That's how you build rivalries, and that's how you build atmosphere. Edwards, three-pointer, it's good! This team is right there with anybody else in, in the country. They are clicking on kind of a different level that we didn't um, that we didn't see this year. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Zone Star State Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni. Joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson, looking as dapper as ever. Ish, how are you doing today? Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I'm doing good. Doing good. I uh, had a, my birthday weekend over the weekend, so mm-hmm. just kind Happy of, birthday. you know, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Wow. Um, coming down from from hanging out with people and seeing family, things like that. So now I'm ready to get back to get back yeah. to everything. Back to work. So, is yeah. your is your birthday always on the weekend of Easter? Do you always have that? It's always the week. It's either the week of, like, yeah, week it's of. typically the week of leading yeah, into. But yeah, most more often than not. Oh, that's nice. You get like a three day weekend. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's pretty cool. I yeah. usually try to, you know, it's a reason for me to go home too. So, and then it's kind of like the, yeah. it kind of works out uh, schedule wise because like that's usually the last weekend I get to like kind of have a good weekend before we go really into like magazine season for us mm-hmm. and so like that's i always use my birthday as like the line of like demarcation i was like all right now it's time to not do much until memorial day yeah yeah um we've had we talked about it last podcast we talked mm-hmm. we recapped all of the transfers coaching changes all that stuff so for those who missed that one go check that out we recapped everything our initial thoughts on all the players in the portal yep. so on and so forth just gave a really good rundown i think of, of every the situation now it is monday april 10th and the weekend continued to uh have some action in it which we'll talk about on both the men's and the women's side um at some point we will do i think later this week we'll do our award show i'll get all that written out and since ish, um, knowing <laughs> how the portal goes, something major is probably going to happen, um, conflicting with that. But that's all right. So that's the plan right now. A lot of news uh, with two major players on the men's side, especially. Which one do we want to start with? Yeah, I mean, I guess we can start with the big one, the first big one, which is LJ Cryer. Yeah. Um, I mean, LJ Cryer obviously announced his intentions to transfer from Baylor and he had some interesting quotes uh with it or at least like he, I don't know if it was direct quotes or like uh paraphrases but more or less saying like he wants to play a little bit more point guard and he wants to you know maybe it wasn't a as good of a fit maybe he saw himself as maybe a, a number one op- who knows exactly why mm-hmm. but that's kind of the reasons he said and then he ends up on a team with a three-year established starting point guard in <laughs> Jamal Shedd because he mm-hmm. Commits to Houston, um, goes back home. He's, of course, played for Katie Seven Lakes or Katie Morton Ranch, sorry. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. What were your thoughts? It's a, it's a huge pickup for Houston, obviously. Um, I was talking to some, some Baylor people and they weren't, they never really bought the point guard thing. Like they never really yeah. bought, like that was his reason because, and I kind of saw their point is like Scott Drew never really. Like, it's not like Adam Flagler was, like, dribbling the air out of the ball, right? Like, everybody kind of handles the ball in that offense. And it was a lot of – the, the, they weren't exactly too um, – surprisingly, they actually weren't too shocked that he was leaving or, like, shocked that – or even disappointed that he left, really. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of got a little 
from what I've heard talking around, they kind of got a little tired of his, this isn't, I'm not talking about talking around the the coaching staff. I mean, this is more like the fan base and like kind of supportive. They kind of had a little issues with his defensive effort. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously Baylor had a pretty bad defensive backcourt and was obviously a part of that. Not, not a big part. And you know, whether or not he was a big part of that, it's up to you, but um, obviously a dynamic scorer. And they said like, he's somebody who obviously has skill in that department, but a lot of other aspects to his game, they just said weren't weren't coming along and what they hoped for. It's hard um, because if he was healthy two years ago, they probably sure. go on a run, yeah, pretty deep freaking run in the tournament. So then you're talking about, um, you know, a deep run, and then you know this past year is kind of excusable. The problem is, is you've lost in the second round back to back years, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what makes it kind of an interesting situation for Baylor because you don't want to lose you know, a guy like LJ Cryer and you're obviously losing Keontae George. It is a reset for a team that's not coming off a national championship like yeah. we, like they were last year. It's a reset for a team that, like I said, has lost back to back years in the second round, whether mm-hmm. that's unfair or not is, you know, up for everybody to decide, but sure that's the reality of the situation. So that's what makes it harder. And now he's going to Houston and I'm not buying really anything of whether it's defense, whether it's ball handling, Eldrick, I, from the outside looking in to me, it just looks like he wanted to, he wanted to get away from Baylor and wanted to start somewhere else. Right. Right. That's just yeah. really just what it looks like because going from Baylor to Houston, what are the real differences in Baylor and Houston? If anything, right. I'd say Baylor's guards have more freedom than they do at Houston. If anything, he's going to have to play even more hard, like even better defense at Houston than he sure. would at Baylor. Like the, it stylistically, he's not going somewhere to get more of the ball. He's not right. going somewhere to get, you know, more freedom of shots. Like it, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Now the home aspect of it, I do understand. Like, sure, mm-hmm. you want to play closer to home. That's that's one thing. I've, obviously, a lot of people will say um, how uh, sometimes it is a crutch for players that, you know, did just want to reset. And I think that's probably the case in this LJ Cryer situation because it doesn't make a lot of sense any Mm -hmm. other way. Like, I think it's just a reset for him and he doesn't have to make sense. He can do whatever he wants, but it is interesting. I am glad that he is transferring within the state though. Yeah, that keeps it interesting for us. Yeah, I mean he's he's a talented scorer, right? I mean yes. we that that Baylor team we talked about the injuries I guess two years ago now where you know him and JTT are healthy and they probably make an, another repeat run or at least make a a strong push for it. Um, this year I don't want to say he like stagnated this year, but he didn't. He, he he his scoring was up and he took like a step forward, but it wasn't the I guess the leap that we kind of hoped, right? Mm-hmm. We kind of hoped that he would be more of the jared butler mold in terms of like that type of like alpha leader um his percentages were a little bit down this year he wasn't at, i mean he was it, it was he was almost unsustainable from three his second year right that that kind of year he yeah. took off or he was like shooting like 47 percent from three mm-hmm. so he like took a, a quote-unquote step down to 40 which is still perfectly fine um but yeah i do wonder like jamal sheds like a lot he's not at like Playing next to Jamal Shedd to me, and maybe he maybe he wants to be a number one, right? And he probably will be with this Houston scoring wise, he probably will yes. be with this Houston team. 
Um, and maybe Scott Drew was like openly maybe courting somebody else to be a number one in the transfer portal or whatever. Uh, maybe Jacoby Walter coming in, the freshman, he probably sees that as another Keontae George type situation. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? Because, yeah, he's not playing next to a point a guard that's like can play really off ball a lot. Jamal Shedd can play off ball, but he's not great. Like he's, he's better with the ball in his hands. Yeah. So he's not necessarily playing with somebody who's going to be a 1A, 1B like him and Flagler were. Um He's going to be more of an off-ball guy. He's going to be more of the the, the scoring guy, which maybe he wants. But, um, yeah, the fit's going to be interesting because he wasn't a very good defender. And he's, you know, again, maybe that's something that Kelvin Sampson knows. He's going to be playing next to Jamal Shedd, so it doesn't matter how bad his defense is because, yeah, yeah, probably the best defending guard in the state there. Um, But I do, like you mentioned, the fit seemed better at Baylor on the court um at least from our perspective so yeah we'll see what else houston adds um because they're kind of replacing a lot so for houston it's lj crier to me just seems like a straight marcus sasser replacement sure yeah it's like we we need scoring we let's get scoring yeah i think marcus sasser is better than lj crier but that, that's kind of just what exactly what is i'm sure that's what they sold him on right they sold mm-hmm. him on a you know you'll be the number one option here scoring wise on the perimeter uh you know this and that so it's an interesting it's an interesting loss for Baylor because I do mm-hmm. think it is somewhat of a reset. And then Houston, you get him, and then they add Damian Dunn from Temple, six foot five shooting guard, averaged fifteen point three points per game, shot thirty five percent from three on like four attempts per game last year. So you add two true scoring guards here alongside Jamal Shedd, mm-hmm. and obviously Tremont Markley's, which we'll get to him in a bit, but. It, it is it's going to be interesting to see i I have not watched enough damian dunn from temple this right. year i don't know enough of his game um can he defend because if he can't defend at a high level then you're adding crier and dunn and two guys who aren't great defenders and you kind of put a lot of that pressure on jamal shed so there's a lot of dynamics here uh with houston uh also the front court obviously where they're gonna to have to retool a bit there mm-hmm. but you add Cryer and Dunn, and if nothing else, you'll be able to score the ball, I think, with those two. And you have Jamal Shedd, one of the best you know, guard defenders in the state. Yeah. I think um, one of the things that I think Cryer does do pretty well, and I think that that's – you mentioned Sasser, and I think the, the in particular, Cryer's pretty good in the fast break, right? He's a smaller mm-hmm. guard, but he has good handles and able to like kind of – He's not all you know. He's not necessarily the size of somebody you want finishing like you know one v twos things like that. But he's somebody who can kind of like have a little bit of a one man fast break for how's his size, and that's something that they don't have right now without Sasser. And so I think that's something that in transition kind of can translate pretty well um, right away. So yeah, it'll be. It's I think it's I think you hinted on it. it's going to be kind of a new look Houston next year. Not in terms of just the names, but in terms of the style probably too. Yeah, Taze Moore is not walking through that door. Yeah. to uh, be physical and guard people and oh what a team that was yeah. um mm-hmm. all right Tremont Mark leaves Houston uh it was said that he was between Kansas State and Arkansas as his final two he commits to Arkansas I believe it was Dream Dowling the assistant at Kansas State mm-hmm. uh, that I'm kind of close with he tweeted out stop putting Kansas State on your on your uh, list just to to be a name kind of basically saying that i don't think kansas state was ever really right you know either looking at him or was either even in serious contention so i guess this was sure. arkansas all the way sure all right uh whether arkansas dropped the bag and got him whether arkansas sold him on you know playing time and stuff like that 
I think there's a lot to sell for Arkansas. I think Arkansas is a really good team, really good program with Musselman, and have a lot of resources to dedicate to, to basketball. So I think Tremont Mark going to Arkansas makes a lot of sense. I just wish he didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, I know. What was the what was the tweet I sent you where it was like Musselman's just like talking to every transfer out there? Well, he was at yeah. You sent me. He was at eighty four transfers. Oh my god. Or did I sent you one of us sent it. To yeah, I, I sent it to you. It was, uh, let me yeah. see. I have it right here. And that uh, was like Ar- a week. Joe ago. Tipton. Joe Tipton uh, mentioned Arkansas has made contact with at least in parentheses eighty four transfers, which is like. They're probably they're over a hundred at this point. Right. They, I mean easily. Yes, they gotta be. Um I they like, they just feel I don't know how to describe them because I don't want to compare them to like I'm trying to think of a football program that just like I mean Ole Miss kind of. Yeah, yeah, there you go. They're kind of like the Ole Miss of basketball where they're just going out and just they know that the the difference is Arkansas can recruit freshmen. I was about to say, last year they had the top class or the second like, class. Yeah, or something. They had the top so like, class. Nick Smith, Anthony Black, Jordan Walsh, go down the list. It's like, I don't think they need to do this, but Musselman is a real, I mean, hate him or love him. 90% of people hate him, but uh, he's just trying to go get every good player and then just figure it out later. Right. Has that resulted in the Final Fours? No, uh, right. but they've made what? Uh, two elite eights and a sweet 16 i think in the past yeah, three like or four years so i mean they're doing great it's just like you're gonna go play for that guy i don't know That's i know matter. right yeah we'll I, see i don't, I don't um, love it but. but yeah we we, we thought i thought that was me and you both thought mark transferring was a little bit interesting and now it makes sense now that they brought in crier um yeah. they were obviously kind of recruiting the backcourt and he probably wanted to be a little bit more of a, a, a factor in, in uh, as far as like one or the first or second option. So he I'm averaged not... 10 points per game last year. Yeah. Arkansas is going to get dudes. I haven't looked, I haven't even looked at their class. They probably have a couple four or five stars. All right. right. If we look. Yeah. At I mean, his, his, that injury um, was it last year really hampered him. Cause he, he contributed on that, that first final four team um, as yeah. a freshman. And then he got hurt of course last year. And then this past year, yeah, he was, he was reliable, but he was still kind of, you know, he was kind of still coming into his own. Um, Arkansas right now has Bay fall and Layden blocker two, uh five stars Layden blockers, a point guard. So coming into this year's class, uh, he's the fourth overall point guard in the country. So, I mean, they got dudes coming in. Yeah. They got two of the time. Yeah two top 20 players basically coming in yep. already. Um, they're not going to be short on, on guards. That's my right. point. It's like they're going to keep going out and get, even when it seems like they have enough players, they're going to go out and get more players. So we'll see. We'll see how mm-hmm. Tremont uh, does there. Um, but that was notable. And then Fardos Amac commits to Cal. Nothing really newsworthy there uh, because he's going to rejoin his uh, coach from Utah Valley. Yeah, Mark, uh, Mark, Madsen. Mark Madsen. Shout out, shout out the Lakers of the '90s or the the early 2000s, I guess. I was, uh, of course, the viral video of him dancing. Do you ever see that video of him dancing at the parade? I I think I have. Yeah, it's it's him I dancing. He's like wearing head. jorts and his like and his yeah. like white his white shirts like tucked into the, and he's like dancing like the whitest guy you've ever seen. So, yeah. uh, congratulations so, to him. <laughs> yeah, congrats for to him shedding that reputation. Getting Fardaws over yeah. there to Cal, obviously. Might, Cal I mean, one of those teams. Yeah, like that. He he might just be a better fit for the Pac-12. Like that's like in the Big Twelve. It was. It took when he finally did get his feet under him. He looked really good. Um, but it just took a while, and the league was just way too deep. And by that point, it was like cutthroat, and you had to win every game. And it was just like, all right, that, that's kind of that was kind of a weird environment to kind of come into. Well, the Big Twelve is so stressful. 
yeah as yeah. a league like it's like, just like every game is a freaking winner go home game basically like oh are we gonna make the tournament i don't know and also like when's the last time like a big like fardos came in and dominated the big 12 yeah because, like you have to, you have to be able to kind of you have to be able to move you know been all year talking about how different he was from bryson Right, and we were like, you know, Bryson could switch, he could shoot, he could do I was all about that. You kind of need a Bryson Williams type, like exactly. it's it's almost like I mean, I'm trying to think. Like Azabuki from Kansas was probably yeah. the last big, and he he was just a defensive monster. He wasn't really the offensive uh, force that that you want Fardaz to be. So yeah, I don't, I just don't think that type of big right now at least works in the in the conference. It's a really good point because you watch like Kansas State, right? They got like athletic Fords. Yeah, kind of they're all like six, seven, six, eight. Kansas had KJ Adams this past year. Yep. Um, TCU had Eddie Lampkin, but that was kind of a weird fit. Yeah. Um, he didn't even play the whole like you know huge huge minutes. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that's an interesting point. Uh, Cisse from Oklahoma State was good though. He was seven one. He's in the portal too, so we'll see yep. where he goes. Um, all right. Jonathan Cisse transfers from Incarnate Word to Texas Southern, a name that most people probably won't know because why would you know about an Incarnate Word <laughs> player? We have not talked about them a ton, but he right. was their leading scorer, 16.6 points per game, six foot one guard, shot 41% from the field going to Texas Southern. Texas Southern picked up another name who I did not write down, but I'm like, hey man, they're going out and they're getting some guys. They're not coming in eighth in the swack this year. Listen, I'll tell you that. What, what do we say? Johnny Jones. Don't, 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 don't be down Johnny Jones. Yeah. Yeah, he said, he's like, all right, well, because they bear, only the top eight out of, I think, 12 in the SWAC make the tournament. Make the yeah, so he was like, that was a little too close for comfort. And it was like, all right, we came in eighth. He had to get up off his rocking chair. Like, all right, <laughs> right, right, give me the phone. He had to put out the cigar. He's like, all right, let me, let me do something. <laughs> all right. I can't just show up in March anymore. I got to actually get some, <laughs> get a team. Got to at least get seventh next yeah. year. Got to at least get, <laughs> can't miss the tournament. Um. <laughs> But anyways, yeah, so Jonathan Cisse from Incarnate Word to Texas Southern. Um, and then Daniel Bacho enters the portal from Texas mm-hmm. Tech. Not a huge surprise there. Davion Harmon enters the NBA draft. Um, I don't even know if he has any eligibility left. I'm assuming he does, uh, which is why he put out the, the statement. Um, not a surprise. I'll be yep. interested to see where Bacho goes. Um, because I, I don't know. Like we said, I don't think a Big 12 team really needs him. I was about to say, yeah, he's he's um he's from France too, so it's not like he's like tied anywhere. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm gonna say that's that'd be one I'm curious about. The one I'm I'm gonna watch out for, and again, it could be this could be nothing because let's put it this way: Chris Beard's at Ole Miss now, mm-hmm. and even though it's in the Big Twelve, Ulrich Malagi's still at Kansas State, right? Mm-hmm. And if you just throw him on Kansas State as like a rotation big, just to give you something different, yeah, you know that's something. Um, so I don't know, you know, two. Obviously, he was recruited under Chris Beard. Yurik uh, Malagi, I think, was on that. I'm pretty sure he's on that staff that he rec- he was recruited to. So I don't know. Those are the two teams that I would put. But again, he's not really. Who knows how how close of a tie he has to those guys? So it's really hard to kind of speculate that. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see if he stays at that Big Twelve. You know. Yep power six level or if he drops down at all yeah. um the name of the coastal carolina player that committed to tcu oh yes uh isam mustafa um he averaged i believe 10 12 points to, uh 10 rebounds for coastal carolina 
Uh, of course, TCU needs some front court help very badly, um, with, especially with Andy, Eddie Lampkin now or having been gone. Um, so, yeah, that's a good pickup for them. I mean, again, even if this guy is not a starter, he's still somebody who Sunbelt's a good conference, came in average double-double. And as we know, TCU is all about rebounding in that front court. So if, they can come, if he can come in and give them eight-plus, I'm sure you'll take that. So Yeah. On the women's side, uh, we can jump there. Diane Robinson from Commerce enters the portal, hoping she goes to North Texas as a North Texas alumni. Yeah, uh, alumni. I mean, I mean, who knows? You know, I I think so. I think that's the strongest pull, obviously, with Burton there now. Um, she got hurt last year; she missed the year, but before she was hurt, seventeen points a game, almost four rebounds. Um, obviously, D two All American. So I, and I think she's from she's from the area, or I don't know. She might be from Houston area, but regardless, she's from Texas. So yeah. um, you would think that she'd be okay with staying in state and staying nearby. Yeah, I would think there'd be some – there might be some competition to get her over there, but we'll see how the connection is with Burton. Uh, Tiara Young transferred from Houston to SMU. I joked with you before the podcast. I said she did not want to go play in the Big 12. She said, I'm perfectly fine here. We are. I, was say, I like it here. I won six, six women of the year in this conference. I'm yeah, I was like, I'm staying in the American. Yeah. So, transfers to SMU. Uh, we'll see how, how, that, how that goes for her. Obviously, we love that Houston team. Uh, Jada Walker from Kentucky, uh, point guard at Kentucky, transfers to I will Baylor. say, Deani Robinson, I just checked your tw- uh, Twitter. She retweeted Justin Carter, a very own Justin Carter, who said UNT is the obvious landing spot. And then she goes on to mention jason burton so she retweeted that so we'll see publish it right now right right. yeah exactly (laughs) hey robinson and she retweeted she's she's retweeting a lot of unt stuff let's put it that way so Mm. (laughs) i'm seeing more unt related retweets so i love it i love it welcome welcome (laughs) Danny. welcome uh jada walker from kentucky commits to baylor giving them point guard so just to make sure we're on the same page with baylor here Mm -hmm. uh first of all jada walker very good player out of kentucky um, do they have a point guard now who presumably will replace uh Andrews and is Asbury gone too? Jamie Asbury, yes, Asbury is gone too. Okay, so both are gone. So you have uh Jada Walker, but they returned Jana Edwards and they returned a um Asia Blackwell. Yes, that's a pretty good trio there. Also, it's an all SEC trio, they just brought in all the SEC players, and right? Uh, the Kentucky to Baylor pipeline. Continues to strengthen with uh, Jan Edwards and then Jay this, uh, won't get snagged up in any eligibility issues. Oh, that's a good point. I was about to say, are we going to see another one of those? Oh, or did hey. Jada Walker remember to just to graduate before she transferred? Just, just graduate, yeah. Don't leave any paperwork left right here. Um, so Baylor, the SEC pipeline continues there. That's a pretty good trio. If we just I'll talk th- about big threes, I was about to say like. Look at so let's presume Jada Walker starts, right? It's not a guarantee. Um, Jada Walker, point guard, Sarah Andrews, probably Asia Blackwell, Dariana Little Page Bugs, and Drayana Edwards, right? And then you add also Madison Bartley, who's a 6'3 forward from Belmont, averaged 14 points, five rebounds. So there's a rotation big, right? That's a good, damn good rotation, if you ask me. Um, and she also shot some threes, so that might be a little Caitlin Bickle replacement, right? She's she mm-hmm. she took like three threes a game, I think. Shot about just around 35 percent, so pretty solid. So that could be your rotational big, or if they want to start her and give you know some stretch qualities to the to the to the team, I'll take that, man. That's a that this Baylor team is looking pretty good, 
and hopefully, obviously, you'll probably add some more guard depth. Um, I think that I haven't checked their class. I'll have to double check their. Yeah, I didn't class even know Sarah Andrews was. I thought she was a senior. That oh yeah, no, Sarah Andrews is still around, man. She's she's yeah. coming back. Okay. Yeah, this, this is looking, is, this team's looking good. Um, we know Bickle, yeah, we know Bickle will be like you said, Bickle replacement. But the freshmen, obviously, Final Roy and uh, Little Page Bugs, mm-hmm. the way that they played. I like at some point in this offseason, we'll have we'll need to have a bigger picture conversation of Baylor women's basketball right. because it is going to be year three. Mm-hmm. Um, it is going to be year three here for Nikki Collin, and this on paper not only is a talented team because she had a talented team her first year, obviously, right. Uh, which we talked about a lot, but this is a team that now should fit what she wants to do. There's no yeah, more excuses than that. I was about to like, say com- this is almost like completely in her image now. This is this is perfect. Like mm-hmm. on honestly, even though you had to sacrifice a year not pl- not having Edwards and um and uh, Blackwell, like it kind of works out in a sense to where you get them both for this year, and you kind of have all this culmination of talent. You have the freshmen that played significant minutes last year because they those uh, veterans didn't play. Mm-hmm. So there's no like if we start setting expectations for this team, I can't set it outside of the top twenty. I was about to say this like we're we're gonna have to kind of stop ourselves because I feel like we're gonna be like real. I'm I'm gonna be personally really excited about what this team could be, right? And I feel like this is still gonna be a team that. By the end of the year, yes, I agree. This should be a team that should be playing for at the very, very, very bare minimum second weekend of the tournament, right? Like very bare minimum. And like this should be the team that's looking Sweet 16, Elite Eight, right? Back to what we've used to be and seeing of Baylor. Um, Especially in the Big 12, that's not, you know, like as far as, okay, Texas, Iowa State lost everybody. Um, And so you're probably looking at your, your back to being top three right away in the Big 12. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, 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 because I feel like this team's still going to be gelling a lot in the early non-conference schedule, uh, Asia Black was going to be coming back from injury. John Edwards is going to be playing, you know, for the first time in a year. Um, there's to be some new faces, but I still think the top end of this team should be, you know, like I said, elite eight caliber. Yeah. I, the big 12 is just really like if Iowa state takes any step back, the door is wide open. It's such a, it's going to be such a new, I mean, aside from Texas and Baylor, basically, it's going to be a I new mean, like, era almost in the big 12. Like Kansas won the women's NIT. I don't know if you saw that. That's true. So, yeah, I did forget about that. Kansas, credit to yeah. Kansas. But like they were ranked occasionally. They were a decent team. So you have Kansas, um, Iowa State. Kansas State used to be good. I don't know what happened to them. Texas Tech, mm-hmm. if they can get wheels going. You know, TCU obviously is rebuilding. There's no excuse they're not competing for a conference title right now. Baylor should be in that conversation because on it from a talent perspective, they're right there with Texas. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a very, very interesting off season. Um, discussion point is who wins the big 12. I think you can start with Baylor. I was about to say, I wouldn't mind starting with Baylor because Texas, I mean, Sonia Morris is gone. Uh, I think Shaley Gonzalez is gone too. Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to dive. Yeah. Yeah. Back. So, I mean, we can do that later, but like they lose a lot. Right. <laughs> so, um, that'll be interesting. All right. Um, TCU, speaking of TCU women, uh, they had Sedona Prince uh, from Oregon, who was at Texas initially, six foot seven center. Pretty good place to start uh, for TCU going into a, going into year one of a new coach. Mm-hmm. What, because um, obviously some people remember Sedona Prince 
I don't know some people may might not. What what are your thoughts on on Prince? Yeah, so yeah, she she's kind of had a an interesting um, and kind of unfortunate career so far. She of course came from Liberty Hill. Um, she went to Texas, highly touted recruit coming out of there or going to Texas. Suffered an injury, I believe it was an elbow injury. Um, she had like a really uh, 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 kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Open more or less blaming the text at the time, the Texas medical staff for like how they handled her injury and like the reason for her transferring, she ends up transferring to Oregon does really, really well. I'm trying to bring up her, her stats, her first year at Oregon. Um, but regardless, she kind of went viral a little bit during the the bubble because she was the player who kind of used her platform to really highlight the inconsistencies and in the quality mm -hmm. of, of equipment that the men and women had. Um, of course the men were in Indianapolis. The women were in San Antonio and the women had like barely any weights to oh, use, barely. Any, it, it was awful. It was horrendous. Like I think everything was just like in conference rooms and media rooms as opposed to like gyms and like things like that. Yeah. Um, let me see. Yeah. So her first year at Oregon, she averaged, and that was a really, t uh, I think that was, yeah, 22 minutes a game, uh, nine points, five rebounds on 54% shooting. And uh, let me see, one block a game. Mm -hmm. And then, last or sorry 10 points a game her first year uh then then her next year she averaged uh nine and then she gets hurt again this year ends up missing the whole year she has to get i think the same elbow surgery or something like that so she misses all of this year and yeah it's just been kind of an up and down career for her but clearly clearly gifted uh mark campbell was an assistant at oregon though during those years i'm assuming he played a role in her recruitment there um getting her to oregon after she transferred from texas so I think this is a, this is a good pickup. Like at the very least, like it gets some conversation going about TCU, right? She's a player that people know. Um, yeah. Whether or not she's she's the player that like she she's kind of that's reached her potential, you know, obviously not due to factors outside of her control. But she's somebody who can generate excitement around the program. I think she, this is going to be an environment for her to maybe flash a little bit. You know, uh, I think she had the she had the option of going pro. Obviously, there's still some things she wants to prove um and she's she's good enough to right six seven she's athletic i mean that's somebody if if she can put up anywhere near even if it's like even if it's something closer to 10 and 5 10 and 6 right yeah. the fact that you can have a big like that that can move that has talent i mean you're gonna be able to find a spot for that so um you know i think it's a good i think it's a really good pickup for tcu and kind of shows i think a little bit of the pull that mark campbell has um you know, I'm, I'm going to be curious to see if he goes to maybe some more of those ex-Oregon players or like players that he's just kind of had relations with um, along the way, because this kind of came out of nowhere. I think people I, I don't know. I didn't I didn't expect this. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't either. Um, with the transfer portal, though, uh, yeah. you, he, I don't want to expect big things. Sure. You're like one or two. Obviously, right. I want to I want to take it slow. Yeah. Um, and nobody's expecting him to come in and win your one. But if you can get things on track year one, there is a way for you to by year two be start being competitive. Yep, and that is I mean, again this difference yeah. with the transfer portal. Yeah, this I mean this is a program that's like just been in the dumps, right? Like yeah. this is any type of hype could really just be suitable, right? They go like what they go two wins in conference last year, so yes. like something like that, or one. one I think it was one. I thought it was one. I <laughs> Yeah, that, that, I think it, I think it was one. It was like Reagan Peebles, like last home game or something like that. Um, so yeah, any type of forward momentum is is. I mean, they're basically starting from the Karen Aston UTSA script here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Speaking of Karen Aston, they have not replied to my email ish. So 
<laughs> they're too big time. They're too big. Yeah, they, 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 they made it to the finals. Like, oh, we can't, we can't be going there anymore. <laughs> they started winning games. That's it. Sorry. Wait, we're not talking to the Zone Star State anymore. Player of the conference. We got we got conference USA player of the year. Get out of here. Right. We don't need y'all right. no more. I was gonna say in the email, I was like, well, Coach Aston told us to reach out anytime and she would love to come on. <laughs> so drop the name drop in there. <laughs> like, I'm gonna CC Karen Aston in this just so to make sure you see it. Oh. Um, but yeah, anyways, that's it. Yeah. There's the um transfer portal rundown. Like I said, I'm gonna try it to where on thursday we do our award show i'll, I'll text you and we'll cool. get all the awards set up and everything like that so stay tuned for that um in the meantime we'll see if anything else pops off and yeah we'll we'll uh stay tuned to it um thank you for joining us leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening leave us a like comment share subscribe on youtube um yeah thank you all for for watching if you are on the youtube side of things uh, we appreciate that as well and yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at DCT Basketball at Ishmael R. Johnson and at Matthew Bruni underscore. Thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you all later.